So over the past couple weeks, we've been talking about how powerful words can be, how they can change lives, how they can bring healing, or they can provide some damage if, uh, if they're used incorrectly. And so week number one, we talked about the power of saying yes to God. When God speaks to us, and when we say yes to Him, it can change our lives. Last week, we talked about saying no to the flesh, and how saying no to the flesh can allow us to really kind of fall in line with what God has for us and to find a better way according to his word. Today we're going to continue on with this study as we talk about the word thanks. Say thanks. Thanks can change our lives. If you have a Bible, we're going to look at Luke chapter 17. If you don't have one, that's okay. We have a public Wi-Fi. You can hop online with your smart device. Go to ecc.life. If you've never filled out a welcome card and you're a guest here, please consider doing that. Also, I'd love to meet you right after service, right over here. It's called Five and Five. I have a gift for you, and I want to share five things about our church in less than five minutes. But if you never fill out a card, would you please go ahead and fill out that card as well? But we're going to be camping out in Luke chapter 17. And as I think about the power of the word thanks, I'm reminded of a pivotal moment in my life where I learned the value in saying thanks. You see, I was a high school student. I played uh, high school uh, football, and I remember our coach for a few weeks brought in donuts for about 80 high school football players, growing teenage boys, like this guy was very brave to go ahead and do this, brought in donuts for a couple weeks as we watched film. And I remember he said something that just racked me with guilt, but also taught me a lesson for many years following You see, he had done this for a couple weeks, and I remember very distinctly, he said this a few weeks later. He said, listen, I have brought in donuts, spending my own money, not spending the school's money, and not one of you has said thank you. That kind of cut me to the heart, like, you're right, this poor guy, I mean, he's he's a football coach at a high school, he's probably not making a lot of money. He's spending money paying for these growing teenage boys to eat donuts, and quite frankly, to fight over them, all right? But it taught me a lesson, the value of saying thank you. The Bible says this in Philippians 1, 3, I thank my God every time I remember you. And, and, and if we are a teenage boy or just somebody who likes things, we should say this, I thank my God every time you give me donuts, right? When people do things like that for us, we should say thank you. It reminds me of a story of a waitress, her name was Heather, and she was burned out completely fed up with people being rude and mistreating her and never saying thank you at her restaurant. In fact, one day, this guy named Chris came in. Chris ordered a well-done steak. And Heather, with great care, brought the food out when it was ready. She had nothing to do with how it was cooked, and so she delivered it with great care to Chris. And she begins to walk away, and Chris shouts across the restaurant, "'Did you hear me say, well done?' And so she thought for a minute, she said, sir, thank you so much. We hardly ever receive compliments around here. Thank you so much, sir. I appreciate that. You know, we all know the value of thanks, right? But we don't often hear it enough. And what I'm convicted by, we don't say it enough in life. In fact, I would say this, and I know this is a bold statement, but I want you to track with me. Our ability to say thanks reveals the measure of our faith. You might be thinking, how can that be true? I know it's bold, but I believe as we look to God's word here this morning, we're going to understand that our ability to truly say thank you, to express some gratitude in life is directly revealed and directly tied to the measure of our faith. 
And I think we'll find out together as we look at Luke chapter 17, beginning in verse 11. Just some context here. Jesus has his eyes set on Jerusalem. This is the culmination of his mission. He knew his mission was going to lead him to the cross, to die for me, to die for my sins, our sins together. Everything was leading up to this moment, and so he had started his journey to Jerusalem. And so we pick up the story, verse number 11. While he was on the way to Jerusalem, say Jerusalem, this is where he is going. He's headed south. And he's headed south to Jerusalem from where he was, which would have taken an entire day's journey, over 24 hours of walking. This was a long journey. He was passing, say passing, all right, he's passing between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, 10 lepers, 10 leprous men who stood at a distance met him. These men with leprosy were kind of outcasts. It really was a death sentence for you to have leprosy. Not just because you could die from it, but it was incredibly painful, and no one wanted to be around you. You were this outcast. In fact, you had to declare if you were coming into the presence of anybody else by saying unclean. And so these 10 men have this incredibly painful disease on their skin called leprosy. But what we see here is a couple key phrases. While he was on the way, Jesus, and as he was passing by, as far as we can tell, Jesus had no significant plan or reason to stop and to engage with these ten men with leprosy. We have no idea if he had anything planned. We have no idea what would happen in this setting, but somehow, maybe it was through eye contact, he connects with these ten men with leprosy. And as we think about this setting here, Jesus has no plans. We see he's dead set on going to Jerusalem. This is the fulfillment of his mission. He's just simply passing through. This was a long and difficult journey. Why would he stop? But maybe, just maybe, God was up to something. And here's what we know, and it's this. As we go into the rest of the story, every day, say every day, Every day presents an opportunity to say thanks. Would you agree with me? As you read the rest of the story, every day presents an opportunity to say thanks for something amazing. And friends, here's my challenge for me personally. Here's our challenge together. Let's look for the opportunity. Every day, every moment affords us the opportunity to say thanks for something great. These Ten men had no idea about the opportunity that would be presented to them. Today we had no opportunity when we woke up and it was beautiful after it has been 90 degrees with humidity this week, okay? We woke up on a sunny and cool, nice fall day to come here today. We had no idea walking into this place today about the opportunity that we've all had or will have to say thanks for something amazing. And so let's look for that opportunity, verses 13 and 14. And they raised their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Why? Because they were suffering. Why? Because they were outcasts. Jesus, have mercy on us. They had some hope that Jesus could change their situation. When he, Jesus, saw them, he said to them, Well, go and show yourselves to the priests. You see, these men had some hope that Jesus could help 
them. And they recognized who Jesus was. They called him Master. Here's ten people with at least a little bit of faith recognizing who was before them and crying out to him saying, hey, save us and change our situation. And Jesus says, hey, I'm going to send you away. Now, why did Jesus do that? I mean, in this opportunity for them to maybe say thanks, Jesus could have healed them right there that instant. But Jesus knew the Jewish custom. And the Jewish custom was this. There were local priests. And it was up to the local priest to declare when you were healed by God, to evaluate you and to see your situation and to know if you were indeed healed by God. And it says this, and as they were going, they were, read it with me, cleansed. Before they ever even step foot in front of the door of the priest, God heals them. Now, these men had no idea what God was doing. They had no idea what was happening. They at least had some measure of faith to actually listen to what Jesus had said and to get up and to go knowing, hey, Jesus, we've heard about you. Maybe they even witnessed Jesus doing something, performing some sort of miracle, but they listened to Jesus. They said, listen, we, we will listen to you. We'll get up and we go. And before they ever even met the priest, Jesus healed them. And here's what we can understand. Listen, when we cry out to God with our needs, and I don't know what your needs are. It could be something very tangible like what we read here. Some sort of illness. Some sort of ailment. Some sort of impossible situation in your life. Something damaging. Something hurting you. Something even more tangible like, God, I just need a job. God, would you help me? I don't know what it is we cry out to God for in life, but we all have needs or we've been at some point in our lives or we've had some needs or you will maybe even tomorrow morning have a need in life. Listen, when we cry out to God, when we call Jesus master, when we posture ourselves in this way that these 10 men did, he may provide an opportunity for us to say thanks. But do we believe that? Friends, I can't make you believe. I can't make us in this room believe collectively. But we know God maybe in this room is convicting us. Do we believe that he can meet a need? Do we believe in the middle of this impossible situation that, that we may be facing in life that God is providing an opportunity or will or could provide an opportunity for us to say thank you and to express some gratitude? These men had no idea, just a little bit of faith to get up and to go to recognize in the presence of whom they were standing, to listen to him and to go to the priest. Friends, we have questions. The question is this, do we have enough faith to trust God, to provide an opportunity for us to say thanks? Do we have enough faith to get to that point where we can say, thank you, God? Let's see what else happens in the story. Now, one of them, say one of them. There were ten, now there's one. One of them, when he saw that he had been healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at his feet. Whose feet? Jesus' feet. Giving thanks to him. And Luke includes this very important detail. And he was a Samaritan. 
Let's just talk about what's happening here. Here's a Samaritan. Luke points this out. Jesus also knew what was happening here and highlights this himself because a Samaritan, this may sound harsh, but it was true in this day and age, was an outcast because they were a half-breed. Racism was alive and well during this time period. They were not one of God's chosen people. They were a, kind of a mixed breed. And so Samaritans were kind of held at arm's length, were not included into the kingdom of God per how people operated back then. Jesus said, hey, there's, there's one who came. Luke highlights, there's one who came, and he is a Samaritan. Here is a, a foreigner coming, an outsider coming to give praise to God. And a question we have to ask here is, is really what is more surprising? Is it that only one came back to Jesus to praise him, to fall on his face, to express gratitude, or that nine did not? What's more surprising for you and for me when I think about the story, when I think about what Luke is trying to imply, here's something we cannot just read quickly past. Luke does not tell us that nine were kind of less cured than one. But he does imply that nine were less grateful. And could it be, friends, that their gratitude was tied to their level of faith? And could it be that these nine, as Jesus was highlighting, and surely as Luke was highlighting, because Luke understood the culture, could it be that these nine were Jewish men who had forgotten that, hey, they're supposed to be people of praise. They're supposed to be people of gratitude because the very word Judah reminds us in the Hebrew, it means to praise. But yet none of them comes back to praise. But the outsider, the outcast, the Samaritan, he comes back to praise. And I think this is a challenge for all, all of us here today. Only one came back to say thanks. Here's my challenge for me. Here's our challenge for all of us, both individually and also collectively. Say it with me. Be the one. Only one came back. Only one showed the level and the measure of their faith and tied their gratitude to their faith by coming back. And friends, he was the outsider. When nine knew better, and nine, by the very nature of their name, knew better. And so could it be right here, could it be a, that our willingness to glorify God could be tied to the level of our gratitude? Could our willingness to glorify God in a setting like this, to sing words that, hey, there is another in the fire. When life is difficult, that God is with me, that I can express my gratitude. Could our willingness to glorify God, to not care what anyone else thought about us in our lives, our willingness to glorify God privately and also publicly, publicly could it be tied to the level of our gratitude in life? I think as we read this story, I think it's, it's noticeable and Paul tells us this right here. This is a challenge. And give thanks for some things to God. Is that what he says? No. Read it with me. Give thanks for everything. Say everything. To God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Everything. Those relationships that you do have. For your family. 
for your health, for the great ability to wake up and go to church, and then on a Sunday afternoon to sit in front of your television and root for your team and even pray a little prayer, God, would you help them to win? If he cared, he may or he may not. I, I don't know, all right? To get up and to go to places like Kroger and Meyer, to, to live in this great country, to go to Walmart and have everything that you need just at your reach if you have enough money for it, right? The amount of things we should be grateful for. The answer to so many of our prayers. God meeting all of our needs, not necessarily all of our wants, thankfully. As we think about God's level of answering prayer, sometimes he knows, hey, our hearts aren't bent the right way with this want, and thankfully he says no. Do we express gratitude in those moments when he has said no? The story wraps up, verses 17 through 19. Then Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But the nine, where are they? Was no one found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Stand up and go. Your faith has made you well. I think what Jesus is trying to get us to understand both by what he announced and what he proclaimed and also what he ushered in was that, listen, kingdom living has to be absent of us living lives of ingratitude. Kingdom living is all about expressing gratitude. In fact, we get a hint of this in verses 20 and 21. Now, having been questioned by the Pharisees as to when the kingdom of God was coming, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God is not coming with signs, not these neon lights to be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there it is, for behold, the kingdom of God is in your midst. Jesus is saying, I've ushered it in. It's all around you. I've both expressed, I've both announced, I have both modeled, I've showed you what the kingdom of God can look like. It is here, it is now, and the kingdom of God, living in the kingdom of God, is all about expressing gratitude. And so friends, let's live like the kingdom of God is not some far off thing. The kingdom of God is here. Let's live like that by simply saying Thanks. And can we do that? Can we look at the level of our faith? And can we determine, I have an opportunity to live like the kingdom of God is here right now by living out this truth as we wrap up here today. And the truth is this, friends. Listen. The level and our ability to say thanks reveals the measure of our faith. And so because I believe this to be true, we're going to try something. Maybe that'll be a little bit awkward. And so I'm going to ask you to stand with me, okay? We did this first service. We pushed through it. We're going to push through it together here. You're thinking, what in the world am I signing up for right now? All right? It'll be okay, I promise. Here's what I'd like for us to do. I want to give us maybe 10, 20 seconds, and I want us to be the kinds of people who not just listen to a message like this or maybe who are inspired by a message like this, but... Friends who want to be changed by a message like this and live this out. And so I'm going to count to three. I'm going to give you an opportunity to kind of share your expression of gratitude to God, to say thanks to God. You can say things like this. God, I thank you for my family. God, I thank you for my spouse. God, I thank you 
for the very breath that I am breathing right now. God, I thank you for healing me. God, I thank you for friendships. God, I thank you for accountability. God, I thank you for my grow group. God, I thank you that you hear me when I pray to you. God, I thank you that you are real and that you're in this place. God, I thank you that your Holy Spirit marks me as a child of yours. And I have the promise of eternal life. I know, friends, it can be awkward in a setting like this, and maybe you're thinking, okay, what kind of church did I walk into here today? Listen, we're not the most charismatic, although maybe I just scared you there. But I think in a moment, in 10, 20 seconds, we can fill this place with praise. And we can reveal the level of our faith in this place. And we can take a step back and say, I want to be the one. I don't want to be the nine. I want to be the foreigner. I want to be the outsider. I want to be the one to fall at the feet of Jesus and call him master. Do you think you can beat first service? I'm a pretty competitive person. They raise the roof off of this place. Friends, I'm going to count to three. I pray you'll do the same. Let's give him glory. One, two, three. Father, we praise you. Hear our praise. As an act of worship, Father, to be people of gratitude, to see who we are in your eyes, how much love and care you have for us, how you have provided. Father, I thank you that you're able to hear that jumbled mess of voices raised to you, and you know each story, and you hear each expression of thanksgiving and gratitude. Father, we're so incredibly moved by who you are and the things that you do. And Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus. He changes everything. He is our master. Father, we want to read this as more than a story, more than history, more than just something inspirational. God, we want this to be our life. Help us to be the one. Help us to evaluate our circumstances. Help us to see even in the middle of the fire, the trial, the tribulation, the difficulties, you are with us, Father. Help us to see in the middle of, Lord, things going smoothly. Lord, you provide opportunities. You give us grace. You give us salvation. You give us a family. You give us friends, whatever our situation may be. God, you give us life in this country. We could have never chosen that, Lord. Help us to be people of praise. We pray this in the powerful, life-changing name of Jesus. We are forever grateful for him. And all God's people say.